Welcome to the Hot Route Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jackson Wong, accompanied by the ever-bold and brash J.P. Mortensen. What's up? So, um, I'm just really happy live sports are back. Watching this NBA bubble playoff has been really incredible. Go Blazers, I must say. It's Dame time. Bruh. <laughs> nah, I mean, Lakers in five. Lakers in five. Blazers in five. We're, I mean, this is a Charles Barkley podcast. Nah. So, anyways... We know that the NFL season is uh, coming up pretty rapidly. Training camp has started. I mean, I think today was the first day of pads, or like second day of pads for some of these teams. So we're pretty much uh, certain we're going to get a season, and I'm, I'm pumped. I don't know about you, JP. This is I, I kind I can speak for you though. I, I know you're pumped. Oh, I I stay up at night like just hoping and yearning for the season. Me too. It's like it's a it's like it's, it's like a deep lust sometimes for the season. Uh, more so than sex. Yes, much more so. Oh God, yes, yes. So and um, if you if you don't feel the same way, you should probably turn it off. This ain't the podcast for you. Yeah, you need to kind of reassess your uh, podcast listening values and um and your life priorities. Yeah, adjust mm-hmm. accordingly. So without further ado, we're going to be giving you an. I think it's pretty interesting podcast today. We're going to be previewing all the NFC teams and uh, their skill positions. So we're going to try to isolate just the skill position players, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends. We kind of sneak a couple fullbacks in there a couple uh, couple times. But we're trying to isolate those players from the rest of their roster and their scheme and just rank the uh, position groups of the teams division by division. So, um, JP... Where do you want to start? Um, let's go out west. Okay. NFC West. So we're going to go with the losers of the Super Bowl. So want to start with the 49ers? That sound good? Uh, yeah. 49ers have a pretty interesting skill position breakdown. They have a bunch of wide receiver twos, an elite tight end, and a pretty deep fleet of running backs. Uh, so, I think that's just unfair to George Kittle just to simply refer to him as an elite tight end. I think he is the elite tight end in the NFL. He's pretty much blocks like a left tackle. Um, and he, he has the single season tight end receiving record. Keep in mind, this was done with scrubs. This was done with CJ Bethard. This was done with Nick Mullins. This was not done with Jimmy Garoppolo. I will not have dirt thrown on Nick Mullins' good name, JP. But he, in all seriousness, he had 1,500 yards. He is a beast at getting open. He's a beast in the red zone. He is Bro, he's one of the best yards after the catch receivers in the league. He's an absolute goon with the ball in his hand. And somehow you add the ability to block. I I, would pro football focus rank him on um, block blocking tight ends. I'm Um, pretty sure he was number one. I I, you know what? I'm just gonna say he was number one considering the volume of snaps he had. Dude is an absolute killer in the run game. Will kill you in the pass game too. He's just a great player overall. So the San Francisco 49ers have a really weird receiver room. They have a bunch of, you know, number two receivers, as I think I said earlier. They got uh, Kendrick Bourne. They got Debo Samuel. They got Brandon Ayuk, the rookie from Arizona State. Who Who uh, could be a number one, but at the moment he's a number two because rookies usually, unless you're Randy Moss, don't come in and, and produce like a number one, even if they become a number one eventually. Yeah, so I mean, just right there, that's three really good players. So we actually just pulled up uh, PFF. George Kittle's run blocking grade was a 78.2, which is still really, really good for that position. And he finished with a num- uh, 94.4 overall grade. 
the highest out of any player in the NFL. So according to advanced stats, he's the best, most valuable player in the NFL. Yeah, and he's the third. Yeah, he's the third best run blocking tight end in the game too. He's in in all rea- in reality, obviously the most valuable player would be someone like uh, Aaron Donald or Patrick Mahomes, who it's can really be a quarterback. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely a quarterback. But nevertheless, he's absolutely dominant, and mm-hmm. he carries this 49ers skill position group. The reason we talk so much about him, he is everything to this skill position group. He's everything to this passing attack. And he's everything to the Shanahan system. Yeah, we said it. He's literally their wide receiver one. Everything is based around him. I mean, you got Debo Samuel, who's a really good slot and kind of gimmick player. But he can also play, you know, straight up wide receiver. He's a good player. Kendrick Bourne, one of the best wide receiver three slash four kind of guys in the NFL. And they got a bunch of glue guys, too. So um, one of them who I think is interesting and has the ability to make some noise is Jordan Reed. Now, some of you, especially fantasy football owners, may know that he was kind of a beast in Washington. Um, And guess who else was a beast in Washington? Their offensive coordinator. His name, Kyle Shanahan. Whoa, what a kawinky dink. So uh, Jordan Reed actually is coming out of retirement. And he's a guy who had some concussions. And that was a big reason why he left. Now, if he's coming back, we're assuming that he's got... He's made some improvement with his concussions, but we're also assuming that he's physically, at least for everything that's not mental, all there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if he can still make some of the plays he made in Washington with his familiarity with the system and a good quarterback with Jimmy Garoppolo, he can make some noise. You know, it's just another threat. And, you know, they have another pretty good tight end there with uh, Ross Dwelly. He performed pretty well in the playoffs this year, functioning as kind of like this offline tight end who functioned a lot in the flats, and he was nice at it. And, you know... We haven't even mentioned this guy, oh. Kyle Juszczyk. Oh yeah, fullback love. Kyle Juszczyk is one of the most versatile players in the NFL. He's skilled enough to pretty much play a hand-in-the-dirt tight end. He can even play a little running back for you. He's a great player overall. He can line him up in the slot. You can do everything you want with this dude. He's a fullback. Yeah, he, That's awesome. I still haven't forgiven Fox for um, when they pulled up their new graphics in the Super Bowl with every player who had a touchdown and they didn't have one prepared for this man. Yeah, that, that upsets me. That, that still upsets me because they just underestimated Kyle Juszczyk, but the 49ers are someone that certainly doesn't, and anyone who underestimates him, he will burn you with his run blocking, pass blocking, and ability to be a receiving threat. I, I don't think I've ever seen a fullback um, since Mike Allstott be this effective. Interesting. Good take. I like that a lot, actually. So I'm going to kind of go through their bottom tier receivers a little bit. They have three super fast guys, J.J. Nelson, Tavon Austin and Travis Benjamin from uh, UAB, West Virginia, and the U, respectively. Then they have three really good route-running guys with kind of slight frame, so probably wide receiver three, wide receiver four types with special teams versatility. And Richie James, Dante Pettis, and Trent Taylor from Middle Tennessee, Washington, and Louisiana Tech. These are it's interesting. Even their bottom roster guys are all guys you kind of see on an NFL field making plays. Oh yeah, they can all serve a role. I mean, even Tavon Austin, who's considered a bust by pretty much everyone, is a pretty good gimmick guy. We saw that in Dallas Freak. last year. Yeah, and I mean, we haven't even touched on the 49ers running backs. We got Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, and Jarek McKinnon. All three guys, pretty damn explosive. All of them have, you know, experience in this wide zone offense. And, you know, all three have been productive. So I'm excited to see the 49ers. And uh, I think everyone should be too. So let's head out to my adopted home state now. Uh, Let's go to the Arizona Cardinals. So JP, Cliff Kingsbury, year two with Kyler Murray. I'm expecting big things. So why don't you tell us about this? uh, Oh, they're threats. 
Yeah, I think uh, Kyler Murray's got a lot of guys to sling the rock to. Um, he's got Larry Fitzgerald, who's the number two all-time receiver in receptions. Um, certainly GOAT status, first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, he's kind of on the back half, but the reason why he is GOAT status is because he's been able to avoid his massive decline for many years. Uh, he's not 2008 Larry Fitzgerald, but he is still a damn good football player and a, quite a good receiver and one of the smartest guys and a, a great leader. I, I have no doubt he elevates everyone around him in this receiver room. Mm-hmm. You know, interestingly enough, Larry Fitzgerald led the league in screen targets. Weird, right? Yeah, they're still finding good ways to use him and get the ball in the hands of their best players. So, yeah, Larry, Larry's there. They had a huge addition this year, and I, I cannot like understate how big this addition was. DeAndre Hopkins. Nuke. Yeah, yeah. He is the nuke. This guy finished number five in PFF's rankings this year, and I mean last year. He was the number one receiver. I mean, this guy's unbelievable. He's not necessarily a guy who's going to beat you with his explosiveness, but he's going to beat you with his physicality, his route running, and his just savvy. He's an unbelievable player. And he's going to be fantastic in Arizona. I can't wait to see it alongside the rest of the talent on this roster. Yeah, um, I think he plays every game on Sunday like it's a game of three flags up. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's pretty good at it. Yeah, um, he's I've never seen a receiver so good at the contested catch point. He, dude, he just wins through contact. Um, so last year... He was ranked by Advanced Stats with Pro Football Focus as the fifth best receiver on a down year when he was banged up, um, dealing with Bill O'Brien. Um, I think he's going to be phenomenal. I think Cliff Kingsbury, obviously by trading to get him, um, this is a guy they really want to use and incorporate into their system. And I think this is going to work out pretty well. I hope it does. Yeah. If it does, it's going to be real exciting to watch. Um, another guy who's Pretty exciting to watch when he gets the ball in his hands is uh, Christian Kirk. You want to take this one, Jackson? You know, I'm not huge on Christian Kirk. He's a guy who, you know, I think he's a serviceable NFL player. He's a, he's not necessarily what you wanted out of a guy with his draft pedigree. I believe he's second rounder. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was second rounder, but recruit. he's kind of, yeah, his, his high school pedigree, being a five-star recruit, has kind of um, carried him for a while. And, and he, you can see how he was a five-star recruit. Right, he just has all the tools. Even at A and M, he was able to get it done. Like they really used him a lot in that offense. But um, in Arizona, he 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 served a, a solid role. But last year, the strength of this team was not their receiving room. Um, they were kind of um, making do with some young guys, getting them some experience. Obviously, they had this master plan to bring in a guy like DeAndre Hopkins and really add a new element, and make him a dynamic receiving room. But um, he was kind of a mediocre leader of a pretty bad receiving core. Well, like. Well, let's see him as a number three as opposed to a number one. Yeah. I think that's going to open up a lot of his game, and it could be really interesting. So Arizona last year in the draft, went, they went with three receivers. Uh, Andy Isabella, Keem Butler, and Keyshawn Johnson. All three of these guys offer really differing skill sets. Andy Isabella being just an absolute straight-line burner. I think he had like an 80-something yard touchdown against the Bucks this year. Hakeem Butler, who's a six foot four absolute freak with these long ass arms, can just pluck the ball from the air and also has a little bit of rack ability. He didn't play last year. He's injured, but I'm excited to see what he could be. I feel like a lot of people forgot that he existed, but uh, he could break out this year. And Keyshawn Johnson, who is more of a route runner, just overall pretty savvy receiver. Decent receiver, very young, so he could be end up being pretty decent, but um, it'll be tough getting snaps on the. Um, getting uh, targets with this 
receiving room. It seems like the top two are going to dominate or the top three are going to dominate most of these uh, targets. Yeah. And I mean, w- when they're not going to be throwing the ball, I mean, they're going to be handing the ball off to Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake has been a really good player in Arizona, but I think he's a pretty decent player overall. He has a lot of speed. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think he's a pretty solid running back. They have a really good backup in Chase Edmonds. I mean, hell, the dude scored three touchdowns and a half last year as a backup running back. Chase Edmonds can play. He doesn't really get any recognition because, I mean, he's on the small market team. Yeah. And, you know, for the tight ends on the Cardinals, there's really not much to speak of. Max Williams is there. He's a pretty solid run blocker. But overall, he's not going to contribute all that much in the pass game. So... The Cardinals are pretty much predicated off these wide receivers. Yeah, they're kind of a tight end away from being an elite, elite um, receiving core or uh, receiving threats. But um, overall, you can't go wrong with D-Hop. You're automatically one of the elite receiver rooms if you have him in there. Yeah, I'm going to just sneak this in there. I saw this on a mock draft earlier. But for this year, Cardinals should really look at getting Kyle Pitts, a tight end slash wide receiver from Florida. Oh my Mm. God, that would be scary. So, yeah, I think uh, that wraps it up for the Cardinals, and uh, we're going to move on. All right, JP, let's go to the hometown team, LA Rams. So, um, weird. Actually, no, it's not weird. I I kind of like this group. Very top-heavy, though. Yeah. So, uh, at receiver, we got Robert Woods and Cooper Cup being the number one and two. They're kind of interchangeable. They're both really, really good route runners. Cooper Cup's a really great after-the-catch kind of guy. And Robert Woods is one of the most underrated receivers in the league. I think he finished, I think, 11th or... No, he finished 12th overall in PFF's receiver rankings. So he's a great player and just doesn't get the recognition he deserves. They have a pretty solid number three in Josh Reynolds from Texas A&M. I can't really say all that much about him. He serves his role and he's a solid guy. He can come down with those third down catches. They drafted a rookie this year in Van Jefferson from Florida. He's a son of a wide receiver coach. Highly polished, not overly athletic, but, you know, I think he could receive some targets year one. Then they also have a Aesop Winston Jr. from Washington State. He's the kind of guy where, I mean, if you get the ball in his hands, he's going to pick up a first down. He's not going to be the most electric guy, but he can play for you. Um, so moving on to their receiver room, or the running back room, excuse me, um, they have... They have some interesting guys. They have Cam Akers from Florida State. Um, he was a five-star. Um, I I always thought that Florida State didn't quite use him enough, and I think he could be a better pro than he was a college player. Um, he's really physical, um, but he wasn't really used a whole lot in the past. So um, we'll see. I, I don't know how rookies are going to fare with the lack of uh, mini camps and all sorts of other offseason activities in this weird season. But a guy like him who's extremely physical, instinctual, um, he could be quite good in the NFL uh, as a rookie. I, I think so too. I mean, we already saw him like play behind an awful offensive line. Horrible. He produced humongously. And, you know, he when he was asked to contribute in the past game, he did so admirably. And, I mean, his combine pretty much showed that He's a guy with good hands, and he can run routes. He's he had Alex guy. Hornibrook throwing to him, too. That kind of hurts a lot, actually. So, yeah, in conclusion, he is a really good back. He has some star potential to him. I'm just not a huge, uh, you know, draft running backs high kind of guy. They also drafted Daryl Henderson in the third round the year previous. He's a 
very, very fast outside zone style back from Memphis. He, um, I expected him to really break out his rookie year, but he didn't really get touches. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do if he is given an opportunity in year two. And, I mean, they got two power backs on the roster. And Malcolm Brown and John and, Kelly out of UCLA. I mean, John Kelly is... Malcolm Brown and John Kelly are pretty much the same player. John Kelly may have a little bit more breakaway speed. But, I mean, they're the same kind of inside-the-tackles guys who are going to be tough. They're just tough to tackle. Now, I love the Rams' tight end room. It's not the best in the league, but I think it's one of the most versatile. They got Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett, and they signed a guy this year. I or did they draft him? I'm not entirely sure. I'll check that out. But he wasn't a priority guy in Bryson Hopkins from Purdue. Tyler Higby is a great player to have on the line. He's a good run blocker. He can. He's a safety blanket. He's a really good safety blanket. Gerald Everett is more of this uh, athletic tight end with some receiving upside. So I. I'm a sucker for those guys. So Gerald Everett, although he hasn't necessarily uh, produced the way I would like, he's shown that he's an an athlete on an NFL field and he can play. And Bryson Hopkins, although he suffered from terrible quarterback play at Purdue this year, he's one of the more solid tight ends I saw last year. So health is going to be really important for this team. Mm -hmm. They kind of have a few good options at the top, and after that they're going to be really thin. So. Um, not the worst receiving room, but definitely not one I'd be enviable of. Yes. I will reiterate, Cooper Cup is really good. So, let's move on. Alright, so from one top-heavy team to an even more top-heavy team, the Seattle Seahawks. So, at wide receiver, they got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and then, uh, you know, they have other guys. Dorsett, David Moore, um, yeah, they, DK Metcalf, second year, um, we'll see if he can add on an incredible rookie year. Uh, he came in with all the expectations from Instagram, uh, that picture, where he, if you haven't seen it, look up DK Metcalf shirtless. I promise it's worth it. You uh, will feel so inferior just as a human being. Not even. It's just, it's like looking at an alien and you're like, all right, you know what? Just, uh, yeah, you it's just not, it's not even achievable. Yeah, you have a point there. He's also, he has a body that a Greek god could not fathom and he also runs incredibly fast. Yeah. Lateral ability is the only thing that's lacking, but even still, they made it work with Seattle. Russell Wilson, Dude, great his quarterback. His are actually pretty good this year. I liked him. Um, Speaking to a guy on the opposite end of the spectrum, Tyler Lockett, he's this, he's not skinny, but I mean, he's this pretty small. Receiver. Slippery. Yeah, exactly. That's the best word to characterize him. Um, Yet effective at the deep route. Phenomenal at the deep route. Him and Russell Wilson are on another level um, in terms of just throwing the deep route. The, the rest of his receiving game is uh, not bad, but nothing jumps out at you. But deep ball, even though the team knows it's coming, it there's still it's still really difficult to stop. Um, so that's going to be a tough team to cover deep against. However, underneath and the more shallow route concepts. Um, I mean, they're going to rely heavily on the tight ends for that. They got yeah. Will Disley, uh, Greg Olson from the Panthers this year. He's old, but um, you know he's going to hopefully he's a, yeah, elevate, dude, elevate a, everyone around. He knows how to be in the right place at the right time. Exactly. He's a veteran. He knows how to play the game of football. They have Jacob Hollister, who filled in very admirably for them last year. And then they also have Colby Parkinson, who's just this, like, you know, this standard six foot seven guy. So... Interesting tight end room. I mean, I don't say any of these guys are necessarily superstars in this year's uh, 
But it could be worse. Yeah, it, it could be worse. Their running back room is pretty interesting, though. So we got Chris Carson as their lead back. He put up a great year last year, but fumbles were a tiny bit of an issue. Behind him, we got Rashard Penny, a former first-rounder for some reason. The all-time leading rusher in college. Really? Yeah, San Diego State. I thought Donald Pumphrey was. Oh, did I get the San Diego State running backs mixed up? Oh, you, well. might, you might have, but I, you know, I don't really care at this point because Rashad Penny is... He's not decent. worthy of the draft position he was taken in. Exactly. And then they got two guys from Miami I was really high on, Travis Homer and DJ Dallas. They're both these hard-nosed running backs who... Um, I think they're both late to the position. I know DJ Dallas was a receiver. They're both physical, not afraid to take you on pass protection, and also not afraid to, you know, square up with a linebacker. So I like those kind of guys, but unfortunately, the Seahawks are going to be the weakest skill position group in this division. Yeah, this is this division is actually one of the better ones in football in terms of skill receiving position. cores yeah. and, and skill positions. Who uh, do you have as the three? I mean, we both agree that the Seahawks are... Dead last. Yeah. Just because they, they, they just don't have the volume the other teams. Just not a great receiving room, but it uh, could be a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the Rams at three. Um, I think I, I don't think you can ever put a team like that ahead of one that has the second all-time leading receiver and DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I, I think that the difference between the Rams and the Seahawks was simply the tight end room. And the difference between the Cardinals... And the 49ers is just the sheer amount of depth. I have the 49ers as my number one team simply because they have, you know, they have George Kittle, the best. I think he's probably the best player overall, offensive player overall in this division and skill player. And they have a dearth of just good receiving talent. Ah, good SAT word. You know, I'm a classicist guy. It's what I do. So, yeah, so that's our rankings. We got the Seahawks at the bottom, followed by the Rams, the Cards, and the 49ers. Now it's time for a division near and dear to our hearts, the old NFC North. So, um, you want to shit on a team? Yeah. Bears? Sounds like a good bet to me. Why don't you start us off? All right. So, before I shit on the Bears, Allen Robinson, quite a nice player. Top 15 receiver in the league, all right? Um, He's... Decent number one receiver, but like, uh, I know some of you are like, hey, Allen Robinson's pretty good. And you think, yeah, he is pretty good. But I bet you could also think of 10 receivers you'd rather have over Allen Robinson. I don't think that we actually get a fair assessment of Allen since, I mean, his quarterbacks have been... Hey, the Bears quarterbacks are phenomenal if you're a Lions, if Vikings, you're, if you're, or Packers if you're a DB, fan. If you're a DB, and I mean, even before that in college, Christian Hackenberg was throwing this ball the dude. What? This ball the dude? This dude the ball. Yeah, sorry. So, Allen Robinson is a really good player. All right. Can't say the rest about the skill position. Ted Ginn Jr. would have been cool if it was 2006. Yeah, um, he's old, but I mean, he can still run fast and drop the ball. Anthony Miller, good at getting open. Bad at bringing the ball in. Yeah, exactly. Riley Ridley, unathletic, good at route running. Not as good as his brother. Yeah, exactly. Darnell Mooney, I actually really like him. He's this really fast receiver, rookie from Tulane. I think he can do something in the future, but I mean, he's a rookie, I think, fifth or sixth rounder. I mean, what are you going to expect from him? And uh, Cordero Patterson, last guy, um, not the brightest of the bunch. But I mean, he does a lot of different things, but not necessarily great. He got a so. four on the Wonderlick. <laughs> Yikes. 
Um, but um, no, anyway, he's he's pretty much a gadget guy. He's he's actually fit in quite well with New England, but like he's he's limited he's exactly limited upside. So, uh, David Montgomery in running back room. You know, I don't mind David. Montgomery he's not. He could be much. nice. He's a rookie. Yeah, like, he did well as a rookie. Like, and so this will be a second year. Um, uh, people he had big expectations. The Bears said that he was really good, and we're really excited about him. But he Just kind of the Bears didn't offense perform. underperformed generally. I mean, a whole lot of Mitchell Trubisky. Keep in mind, Las Vegas. Gave Mitchell Trubisky the fifth highest odds to win the NFL MVP award last year. That's that's just big dumb. But also David Montgomery kind of suffered because the O line took a pretty big step back. So we'll see how uh, how it turns out this year. Backing him up and also kind of serving as another kind of gadgety dude. Tariq Cohen, the human joystick and Munchkin, human Munchkin too. Yeah, um, if he was three inches taller. I think he could be elite, elite, but he's really quick and his his center of gravity is really low to the ground. But that also means that he's only useful th- three yards behind the line of scrimmage to a range of about five yards ahead of the line of scrimmage. Yeah, you have like eight yards to get him the ball. Think about the throwing angles of throwing to someone that's five yeah, six. A defense can cut that off pretty easily. So I mean, Chicago just needs to get people who can expand the field around him to actually, you know, utilize him. And um, tight ends, they got Cole Komet at another name. Rookie, I mean, he... Could has, be good. He has some physical potential, but I... But for, for 2020... He, he's more of a safety blanket than an elite target. And for 2020, you know, you can't really count on a rookie to lead it. Especially a rookie tight end. So they're everyone counting knows. on Jimmy Graham. Yeah. <laughs> everyone knows tight ends take a while. Yeah. Jimmy Graham, I, speaking of a guy who's over the hill, Jimmy Graham very much over the hill. And then they got Demetrius Harris, who's always been a solid number three, number four tight end. So, yeah, I think this is one of the worst skill position groups in the NFL. Period. But I am going to give a quick shout out to Oregon State for producing uh, Ryan Nall and Artavius Pierce, both running backs for the Chicago Bears. And both of them are kind of solid power backs. So Chicago Bears overall, not that great this year. I'm not expecting uh, pretty much anything. I'd also like to give a shout out to Ryan Pace. General Manager, the Chicago Bears, thank you for all of your service you've done for Packer fans over the years. Okay, so now Jackson is going to be a huge homer right now. Go Lions! One pride. Defend the den. So, although everyone likes to shit on the Lions for being a... They're a bad franchise. I mean, let's... They try. Let's call a spade a spade. Let's call a spade a spade. I think they try their best. And, honestly, I would debate that. I mean, to follow a whole... Uh, Ford family is kind of, you know, I'm not going to get into that right now. Let's get into the wide receivers. I love this wide receiver room. and Me too. I'm jealous. Yeah, you should be. You should be. We got Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Danny Amendola as the three starters. We got two pretty dominant outside threats with Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. Kenny Galladay is like, he's proven to be one of the best receivers in the NFL. I mean, hell, although touchdowns are a stat that's pretty... um. That fluctuates. Kenny Galladay led the NFL in receiving touchdowns with, you know, who who's throwing him the ball this year? Not Matt Stafford last year. Uh, yeah, they were pretty bad. Uh, Blau, David Blau and uh, Jeff Driscoll. Yeah. Kenny Galladay's a baller. Marvin Jones has proven to be one of the better number twos in the league for an extended period of time, dating back to Cincinnati. And Danny Amendola, since, you know, his... Honestly, since his Rams days, has proven to be one of uh, the more consistent slot guys in the league. Yeah, he gets the job done. Yeah, couple that with two 
guys I'm looking to kind of break out and Marvin Hall and Quintez Cephas, a rookie from Wisconsin. I think that's a great room. You got Marvin Hall. I mean, I think he averaged over 25 yards of target last year. I mean, that's a big play threat. And Quintez Cephas was one of the most physical receivers in college football. Watch his year. Rose Bowl highlights if you haven't already. And uh, he's he's supposed to uh, be pretty good. I've, we've been hearing a lot of good reports coming out of Lions camp, huh? Yeah, I mean, he's been beasting. I mean, even even though it's just Jeff Okuda, I don't know why I'm saying just Jeff. He uh, he won a couple reps. So now let's move on to this running back room. We got Carrion Johnson, DeAndre Swift, the rookie from Georgia, Big Bo Scarborough. And then two guys could run like four threes. Carrion Johnson is a, he's a pretty good back when healthy. The issue is he's rarely been healthy in his NFL career. He's, he's always had a lot of potential, but he's kind of yet to turn the corner on that potential and really become an elite running back in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, he's shown that he can pick up yards even without good blocking. But we're just looking to see, you know, a full 16 games. DeAndre Swift is a more exciting option for this Detroit Lions team. He's shown in camp to already be a phenomenal pass catcher. He's fast. He's elusive as hell. He's one of those guys that his name is just perfect. Yeah, yeah it's, Swift is Swift. He Exactly. Then we got Big Bo Scarborough, as I mentioned earlier, who's just a tank of a man. Not a guy you want to encounter in the hole. Yeah, so, I mean, they got a power back. They got a speed back with uh, some every down potential, and they have Carrion Johnson, who's overall a good back. Plus, they got Jason Huntley and Ty Johnson, who are just two guys who can run really fast out of the backfield, so maybe you get something out of them. So the one one area that is a little bit lacking, but I think the future is kind, is quite bright, is uh, tight ends. So we got Hawkinson um, out of Iowa. Yeah. He's a second-year. Number um, eight overall pick. Um, they say tight ends age, take a little bit to age, and I think that's proven to be true. But They're like wine. They get better as they age. Well, the Lions better hope he gets a lot better pretty quickly because they don't really have uh, – they have Jesse James out of Penn State. What do you think of him? Garbage football player, overpaid, and just not good at the sport. Move on. Hunter Bryant and Isaac Nada are two somewhat intriguing prospects. Hunter Bryant was this uh, – Kind of receiving threat, tight end, more of a wide receiver kind of guy. One of Browning's guys. Yeah, but, you know, he was actually really good. If you look look at those Rose Bowl highlights, I think it was, uh, he, yeah, he's going up against Akuto one-on-one, and he just makes this sick one-handed catch. The issue with Brian is he showed up to the combine trying to uh, look like a tight end as opposed to a receiver, and his uh, his athletic numbers kind of, they faltered because of that, so... I expect him to be a better football player once the pads are strapped in, so maybe he can provide something next to Hawkinson, who I'm looking to break out this year. But overall, it's I wouldn't say it's phenomenal, but it's a pretty decent skill you know, position it, group. I would say it's a pretty dang good. You've got the receivers that are really good, and then the rest is whatever. If, if Hawkinson takes that next step, it's a really good skill position group. But if he stays mediocre... Um, as in, he was mediocre because most tight ends as rookie are mediocre, as we said a million times. But um, if he turns that corner, I think Guy's big things. Yeah, he he has all the tools. Yes, sir. He's a good run blocker too. He's training with Kittle, so we'll see what happens. Heading up north with the Packers, JP. This is your team. Please have at it. Uh, this is Devonte Adams' team, actually, or technically Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams' team. Uh, you mean Jordan Love's team? He, eventually, uh, the keys the keys were given to him. Um, and the older brother's a little mad about that, but uh, that's the way it is. So um, Devontae Adams, his route's impeccable. 
phenomenal, the best. He turned Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco Johnson. He was in tears watching seven on seven drills of Devontae Adams, just about how beautiful and crisp his route running is. It doesn't make, he's not the fastest guy. He's not the tallest guy, but he's so slippery. Like you just can't, you can't defend him. Um, and he just finds ways to break dude's ankles and good cornerbacks just can't handle him. Oh, dude, trust me. I remember watching so many times. Okay. Third and seven, Darius Slay, please, you know, just lock him up. And, you know, then Devontae would get five yards of separation, catch the ball for a 13-yard gain. and It doesn't make sense try. how he can just find so, such, so many bubbles of space near the sideline. He's just really good at manipulating space. He's a really, really good player, and that's what makes him a beast. Um, now, um, what about the rest of this receiving core, JP? Um, well... Uh, they exactly. Also play football. Yeah, <laughs> they play football. That's pretty neat. Um, no, in all seriousness, uh, it was a big, big, big point of contention for Packers fans um, getting Rodgers a number two weapon because it was the thing that they were really, really lacking last year. Um, when it came to the playoffs, uh, Devontae Adams had the vast majority of their yards against Seattle um, and against San Francisco. They had a, a bit of a better pass defense than. Um, than the Seahawks did, and having former led by former Seahawk uh, Richard Sherman, who Devontae actually ended up burning for sixty yards only after the game was put away. But um, once they focused all their attention on Devon- Devontae, uh, no one else was able to really step up. Uh, they have Alan Lazard, who's a hopeful undrafted free agent out of Iowa State. Um, he's a good deep ball guy, or uh, um, he can make contested catches. He's not incredibly fast, but he's good at getting up. Um, they have. Equinemius St. Brown, a guy they were pretty high on last year, but he broke his foot um, in playing in Canada when they played the preseason game. That's big dumb, so yeah, maybe we can see something from him. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, a guy who was pretty hopeful that they would become something a few years ago. but Fast, uh, long, nothing else. Not good at catching. Yeah, um, and Jake Kumro, who's living his dream. A kid who grew up 116 miles away from the stadium in the state of Wisconsin, um, played for Wisconsin Whitewater. Uh, feel good story, but um, he's kind of a special teams guy. If I'm being perfectly honest, I th- I could see him playing some third down snaps, but well, look, he's not a number two. Any normal they're res- looking for a number two, yes. And um, so there's some rumors that maybe they could trade for Des Bryant, who's actually looking pretty good. Side note: it's some team is going to pick him. Mm-hmm. Um, I would that would make me very happy as a Packers fan to see, but um, at, at the moment it's the Devonte Adams show. Um, they got Aaron Jones, who's a Good running back. Very good running back. Um, decent pass catcher, but he's not quite the Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara. Uh, that's the reason, honestly, why he's still just a good running back instead of a phenomenal one. Um, well, t- to me, it seems that Matt LaFleur is trying to make, you know, the number two threat be the running game instead. Like, there's a whole lot of commitment to this. Yeah, um, they drafted A.J. Dillon in the second round. Um, a- this is mo- he's a monster back. Just like he's Derrick Derek Henry. Henry. He's a little smaller. A little smaller than Derrick Henry, but just as muscular. Yeah, just like as like kind of, you know, we were talking about like, uh, who was it? DK being a Greek god. This AJ Dillon kid is like enormous. Too. He has tree trunk thighs with veins sticking out. Yeah, he, he's a monster. And he runs a 4 5, and yeah. he's 6 2. Yeah, the motherfucker. He's, he's a big guy. Aaron Jones, I mean, we talked about him earlier. And Jamal Williams, who's a pretty nice player. I, I wish they'd use him more. He but, wears a do-rag, so I think he's cool. Um, tight end room. 
You know, I, I like the tight end room a little bit more. Than uh, Jay Sternberger, he's a guy who was okay last year, but I he has a chance. He has a chance to step up, and um, we'll see if he can really do it at the NFL level. I think he's in a good position to do so, but um, question marks still remain. That's, and they have Mercedes Lewis, uh, who was pretty good for Jacksonville. Um, you know, he's been in the league since, what, like 2006, maybe? Yeah, he's old, but he's smart, a great run blocker still. S- still a great run blocker. And That's speaking of run blocking tight ends... Uh, they drafted a tight end who had, I believe, like 13 receptions or something like that this year in the third round, uh, Josiah DeGuara. Um, they're hoping that he can become a Kyle Juszczyk. You know, I like Josiah because he has a whole lot of heart. There's a play against UCLA. He tracks down like a fumble return, like, I think 60-something yards. And he's just a heart, heart, heartful player. Maybe that works out. I wasn't huge on uh, where they drafted him, but I mean, if the Packers think so, I guess maybe something will happen. Bottom line is this receiver room needs help. They have Devontae, who's unbelievable, and they don't, don't really have anyone else. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll to be decided of whether they get Aaron Rodgers a second weapon. Otherwise, I think he will be quite upset. Okay, so now we're going to move to a team that has quite a few weapons, actually. And they have a, a decent quarterback throwing, Kirk Cousins. Happy birthday. By you the like way. that? You we're, like that? We're recording on his birthday, so happy birthday, Kirk. I know you're an avid listener of our pod. Fun fact, Kirk Cousins listens to our podcast. Yes. That's why you should, too, and get all your friends. Yes. Yes. You like that? You like that? Anyway, you know what I like? I like Adam Thielen. <laughs> Beast. Um, Where did you go to school again? Minnesota State. Yeah. Uh, undrafted free agent. Um, he's so good. Uh, he can make catches that very I think maybe three or four NFL players can make uh, in terms of contested catches he has great hands great concentration sneaky sneaky good route runner like the dude sets up his routes really really well and he's got good speed and great size just because he's white doesn't mean he's not fast um yeah he's about as good as you can ask for for a wide receiver one in the NFL not about it. He's a tier below Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins, but yeah, he's not like the quote unquote superstar kind of wide receiver. But yeah, he's a solid number one. Definitely top 10. Now, here's a guy I'm huge on right now. And I mean, based off all these clips coming out of Vikings camp, woo wee, we got a good one. Justin Jefferson from uh, LSU. This guy is, I think, six foot four, six foot three. He ran a 4-4, or a, yeah, he ran a 4-4-40 this year in the combine, faster than expected. He's a fantastic route runner with unbelievable hands. Oh shit, he's six foot two. So um, never mind, I overstayed his height, but you know. He plays like he's 6-4. Yeah, the boy can elevate. He got long arms. He uh, He's a really good route runner, as I said. He's pro ready, and I expect big things from him right off the bat. The yeah. rest of this receiving core, I mean. Uh, also, side note, he had, even though yeah, Joe Burrow throwing him in, in Brady's system, he still had 18 goddamn touchdowns in the SEC. And that's playing with Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall with him. So, Justin Jefferson is a crazy productive player. Fact, I expect him to, you know, produce year one in the NFL. Legend has it, he's still catching touchdowns against Oklahoma. Legend has it. So... The number three receiver on the Vikings has been a problem for a really long time, finding that guy. They traded for Tajay Sharp, a receiver from UMass, from uh, 
the Tennessee Titans earlier. But that still won't negate the fact, ooh, big school word, that they traded away Stephon Diggs earlier that offseason too. So Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen two years ago in the NFC Championship game when they led that the purple uh, team all the way there, um, they were really, really good. Probably the best receiving unit in the NFL, the best receiving duo in the NFL when they got there. But um, last year, a lot of issues kept Stephon Diggs off the field, and now he's gone. And now they have Justin Jefferson step in. I think there will be a drop-off, a, a noticeable but slight drop-off. But that number three option, if they can get a guy to step up, it would be a game-changer. But I don't think you can really count on that. You know, I think instead of a number three, a guy who could step up in that place is Irv Smith. Right now, he's the number two tight end behind Kyle Rudolph. But he has all the athletic potential to break out. As I mentioned earlier, tight ends, they take a while. So maybe this year, Irv finally breaks out. They have another two guys on the roster, especially Kyle Rudolph, who's just... He's been a stalwart player for them, honestly. Really good red zone threat. Can block. He's a good player. And Tyler Conklin's a name to look out for. He's a very highly graded uh, tight end from Central Michigan. Coming out of the draft a couple years ago. And you know, in his limited sample size, he's graded pretty well. So, the tight ends in this system in Minnesota, I think they could be good. Let's just uh, let's just see how Irv Smith can develop. And yeah, Kyle Rudolph, although he's getting old, don't forget, he caught that game winner against the Saints. Same dude. Yeah, Saints fans do not like the Vikings. So, the running back room is pretty damn safe and pretty damn good one of the best in the nfl Uh, because you have dalvin cook who's one of the best in the nfl guy's an unbelievable runner so fast so elusive we're looking for a little bit more development or you know use in the passing game but maybe that'll come with time alexander madison behind him is a very capable backup i know uh jp was saying against the packers he just got absolutely thrashed but the guy's good. The guy's a very serviceable backup. And then they have a very use, they have a useful fullback in CJ Ham. He's a guy who's a very good lead blocker, but you know he can also leak into the flat and pick up first downs for you. So I like what the Vikings are cooking. So JP, let's rank these teams. Who do you have the bottom? I mean, we have two uh, pretty weak skill positions. Lions. Teams. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was JP. We're about to have fisticuffs. No, I have eyeballs and a functional brain, so the Bears go for. Yeah, the Bears really don't. Are we homers? Absolutely. Yes. Do they deserve this flack? Absolutely. I think so. I think so. I don't think our uh, criticism is unfounded. I mean, unless Anthony Miller breaks out and becomes a number one, I, I think they've done a pretty poor job of stacking that team with receiving talent. Yeah. So They're almost dooming Mitchell Trubisky to fail. From the start. As if he wasn't just going to fail already. So, number three. Was this hard for you? It was, wasn't yes. too hard for me. Maybe it was hard for you to admit this. Oh, definitely. Not hard for me to see, though. Okay, so uh, three, two, one. Packers. Packers. Yeah, so unfortunately we got the Packers at number three. Um, boy, has this unit fallen far. Um, it was, uh, I believe, 2012 when it was this entire receiving core on the cover of Sports Illustrated with yep. Aaron Rodgers. And now it's Devontae Parker. So Devontae Adams. Jesus. Yeah, we'll get to the Dolphins later, actually, next week's episode. So who do we have now at number two? This is a toss-up for me, so I'm happy to go either way. Um, I'm going to say the Lions at two just because um, they got 
two great receivers, but um, carry on Johnson could be good, but I, I don't, I don't see that the rest of the team stacking up. I would personally rather have the Vikings receiving or skill position. Okay, group. So now let me tell you why you're wrong. Even though I said it was cool. The Lions have two established wide receivers. The Vikings have one and a half ish kind of. So I'm willing to bank on the Lions right now, but later on in the season, I would not be surprised. However, if we see the Minnesota one. has Kyle Rudolph and Dalvin Cook. You know, the Lions have Matt Patricia as a head coach, so we'll see. <laughs> All right, so let's, uh, let's get moving on.